There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 27th of August 2008. For newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, where you'll find lots of previous talks I've given, which go into the histories and the big organizations behind this big new world order that's coming into view, as Mr. Bush Sr. said. And I tried to explain what it is that's really going on. And the reality is so far from what you're told in media, it's beyond science fiction. And big, powerful organizations have been at this game for a long, long, long time. Nothing is ever as it's presented to be. There's always something else behind it. And power can only maintain power by making sure it runs the whole kit and caboodle, and that means all high-tech, all big corporations and so on. And that's the key to it. Nothing really is independent in this system. They wouldn't be allowed to be independent. Also look into Alan Watt, sentinel.eu, for transcripts which you can download in the various languages of Europe. And today I started off with a nice morning, until the planes came in. You know, this big air force is going around the planet, spraying the blazes out of us, and laying these massive trails behind them that are not condensation trails, regardless of much propaganda put out by NASA or the others, how much they do. These are chemical sprays. And now they're calling it global dimming. And by God, did they ever dim this planet today? Because within a few hours, and watching these jets spread this stuff behind them, this polymer mush, and it is polymer. It's the stuff that was invented for military purposes to carry bacterium and chemicals to the ground. This polymer mush spread across the sky, and it's still completely overcast. And there's not a natural cloud to be seen. It's com a complete chemical haze. And you know, we've had this for 10 years solid now. 10 years solid. I can remember when they first started 10 years ago doing it daily in the place I lived before. They came down to half the height that they now spray at. And you couldn't miss the, this, these trails behind them. They're like tapeworms going across the sky. They would stay there for hours. Condensation trails dissipate about a hand's length from the back of the jet. You put your hand up to the sky. And what's astounding is that most people don't even notice that's the scary part. You have to wonder what on earth has happened to their mind to make them see nothing. Or, as Brzezinski said, they'll be unable to reason for themselves. They'll expect the media to do it for them. And if the media is keeping mum on this, and mum is the word in high masonry, then the people won't think anything about it. It cannot be important because everything that's important obviously will come from the television 
which they think is some sort of appendage to their brain. But this mush is causing tremendous casualties across the planet, and people who are getting sprayed regularly are coming down with these long-lasting symptoms of chronic bronchitis, uh, pneumonia-type symptoms. Lethargy is big in it, massive lethargy. And the bronchitis doesn't really clear up. Even with antibiotics, they have a temporary relief, and then it's back again. Because we're being loaded up with chemicals on purpose by some secret air force that the real government of the planet runs. I'll be back with more after this break. some of the stuff which you don't hear on the news when you're distracted with Olympic Games and all this nonsense. Uh, and even that's a whole story in itself. People don't even know why it began and who promoted it and what its ultimate purpose was to be. Or what the ancient games were all about when the, the, the victor got to basically wed a high priestess and the rest of them were killed if they lost. But eugenics has always been around. You know, I get so sick of this word democracy being banded around by the big boys as they push to take over the planet because we know it's a complete farce. There's no representation for the average person in any country at all. Where is the complaints department for the aerial spraying that's going on? There is none. There's nowhere you can complain. And doctors have noticed the massive increase in bronchial problems and the lethargies and so on as well. So the pharmacists too. The, the largest stuff they sell nowadays is basically antibiotics and antihistamines and bronchodilators and all of that because of the incredible problems caused by the spring. You, I wouldn't care if it was talcum powder that was spraying in the sky. Even that is going to get into you and do damage after a while and no doubt they've told these pilots if these planes even had pilots that we can't tell these little cattle down below that we're trying to save them and, and stop global warming that's, that'd be good enough for the pilots that's how you, you con every level who participates in this mass destruction of the people below you tell them they're doing it for a good cause and there'll be some fallout of course in society but that's, that's just acceptable but we can't tell them what we're doing to them, poor souls. And it's nothing to do with saving the planet. This is also, the stuff is so full of metallic salts and particles, you're becoming walking, literally walking antennas. And one of the articles I have here, which I'll go on to in a little while, after this first article, tends to touch on that, because the Pentagon is investing heavily into what they call mind wars. They want literally to control everyone's mind. And if possible, if you were an enemy, they'd like to make you very stupid. This is from their own 
you know, this is from their own site. They make you stupid because a stupid enemy is easily beaten. So a stupid population, you see, is also easily beaten. And the public will suspend their disbelief because they can't believe that anyone would do such a thing on such a massive scale to us. Because you personally would never do it. And that's the leap you have to take from your own human consciousness into the mind of the psychopath. And this world is run by paranoid psychopaths who only have their own self-preservation in mind at all times, their own sustainability, their own intergenerational progress down through the ages. They don't care about us. In fact, they've told us over and over, there's too many of us now, they don't need us. Democracy, democracy. Here's from the home of democracy. And democracy, too, has never really had a static definition. It's like an elastic band that changes and stretches with every generation, or according to where the agenda is taking us. This is from the Telegraph in Britain. Now, Britain really is the pilot ship for this whole world society because the world system, this, this brightish system, as John Dee called it, it was born in the 1500s to do with free trade and the takeover of all the resources of the world, amalgamation, you might say, of continents into this one system. And that's where we're going today. 500 years have been at that part of it. And they use democracy as the big baton. We're bringing democracy to those people over there who make their wives wear veils and all that rubbish. How Big Brother Watches Your Every Move from the Telegraph, August the 17th, 2008. In our ever-growing surveillance society, the average Briton is being recorded 3,000 times a week, Richard Gray reports. And I say Britain is the pilot project because everything starts there. And, and when it happens in Britain now, it used to take about two or three years to catch up in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. But really, we're all at the same level today, and so really is the United States. So whatever I'm talking about here has been done across the planet. And it goes on to say, with every telephone call and swipe of a card, click of a mouse, information is being recorded, compiled and stored about Britain's citizens. Investigation by the Sunday Telegraph has now uncovered just how much personal data has been collected about individuals by the government, law enforcement agencies, and private companies each day. In one week, the average person living in Britain has 3,254 pieces of personal information stored about him or her, most of which is kept in databases for years and in some cases indefinitely. The data includes details about shopping habits, because they know all your purchases if you use the cards, mobile home, phone use, emails, locations during the day, that's by your, your phone, journeys and internet searches. In many cases, this information is kept by companies such as banks and shops, but in certain circumstances, it can be asked to hand it over to a range of legal authorities. And this is just a sideline here, but they did a, a study in the States recently and found out they don't even have to bother showing ID for them now. They just phone them up and ask them for it and see they're from the government. And they hand all this information over. 
Britain's Information Watchdog, the Information Commissioner's Office. Every Commonwealth country has an Information Commissioner's Office. Canada has one too, uh, and so does the provinces in Canada, which are just states. But it tells you whatever he speaks, but he has no power. <laughs> so what's the point in having him? It says he's called for tighter regulation of the amount of data held about citizens and urged the public to restrict information they allow organizations to hold on them. The, new, the newspaper's findings comes days after the government published plans to grant local authorities and other public bodies access to the email and internet records of millions. Can you believe this? Phone companies already retain data about their customers and give it to 650 public bodies on request. The loss of data by government departments, including an incident where Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs mislaid computer disks containing the personal details of 25 million people, has heightened concerns about the amount of information being stored. But here's, here's, here's what it says here about what's being collected. Every day the average person makes three mobile phone calls and sends at least two text messages. Each time the, the network provider logs information about who was called as well as the caller's location and direction of travel worked out by triangulation from phone masts. Customers can also have their locations tracked even when they're not using their phones as the devices send out unique identifying signals at regular intervals. And so is every other piece of electronic equipment you buy too, including, by the way, your cameras. All of this information can be accessed by police and other public authorities investigating crimes. The internet, the internet service providers compile information about their customers when they go online, including name, address, and unique identification number for the connection, known as an IP address, any browser used, and location. I'll also add every computer has its own unique identifier built into it from the factory. They also keep details of emails, such as whom they were sent to, together with the date and time they were sent, an average of 50 websites are visited, and 32 emails sent per person in Britain every day. Privacy campaigners have expressed concern that the country's three biggest ISPs, BT, Virgin Media, and TalkTalk, Talk, now provide this data to a digital advertising company called Form, P-H-O-R-M, so it can be analyzed and your web surfing habits can be analyzed as well. ISPs are already voluntarily, voluntarily providing information they hold about their customers if requested by law enforcement agencies and public authorities. A consultation published last week by the government would make it a legal requirement for ISPs to provide a customer's personal information when requested. A total of 520,000 requests were made by public officials for telephone and internet details last year, an increase from around 350,000 the previous year. Internet search engines also compile data about their users, including the IP address and what was searched for. Google receives around 68 searches for the average person each day and stores this data for 18 months. Dr. Ian Brown, a research fellow on privacy at Oxford University, said companies such as Google and Internet service providers are building up huge databases of data about Internet users. I love how they use these terms, internet users, rather than to say the people. It takes away the fact that we're people who are being spied on. Everything we do. And you've got to ask yourself now, why? What are those at the top so incredibly afraid of? 
These companies may be compelled through legal action to hand over information to third parties or the government, or the companies may lose the data and it can then be misused. Loyalty cards. I shall laugh at that. These stores have their loyalty cards. They train us like rats, you know. The whole idea with a loyalty card is if you have a card, uh, you use that when you go through the checkout counter, the grocery stores or whatever store it is, even the pharmacies use them. And the, the idea, too, is you get little discounts off certain products and items that you buy. And the person who uses cash is getting penalized. But the person who's, being, who's paying cash is paying the full price. That's the whole idea. So you've been trained Pavlovian style to get their card. It's a form of coercion. Back with more after this break. through the matrix and trying to get people a little indignant about what's happened to them in a very short span of time really as things go well it took a generation to train into this new system where everything you do is being watched monitored recorded everything about you they know more about you in the government departments and mi5 mi6 cia etc than you do about yourself they have complete personality profiles on you and they even have predictions of where you'll go next week and who you'll talk to and watch all your habits and all that kind of stuff quite amazing and we think we're free isn't that amazing isn't it we think we're free do you realize that this is the dream of every tyrant down through the ages is having this kind of power and they used to wonder how they could make the public do things like this they thought that using vast armies they thought no you need a an army the size of the population to control them. But now they use existing institutions, your banks and your shops and so on, to work for the governments. That's how they do it. Clever, eh? It's also rather cheap for them to do it. But here's loyalty cards, and just about everybody I know has a whole bunch of these loyalty cards. They think they're getting little, little discounts on the purchases that they buy. And I'll guarantee you, too, this obesity war that's out now by the United Nations, because the United Nations ran the anti-smoking campaign and now going full scale ahead against the obese people, they only start coming down on your transactions and your purchases on foods they'll claim are fatty, and you get penalized. That's coming. I'll guarantee you about a year's time. Maybe sooner. Store loyalty cards also retain large amounts of information, but individuals who signed up to use them the link your personal data of the personal details to the outlets used, transaction times, and how much is spent, and also how much and what you buy. In the case of Nectar cars, which are used by more than 10 million people in Britain once a week, information is from dozens of shops compiled, giving a detailed picture of the car holders' shopping habits. A spokesman for Loyalty Management UK, which runs the Nectar program, the Food of the Gods, eh? I bet it's cheap junk too insisted that information about their items bought was not compiled, that some partners in the scheme, such as Sainsbury's, use their till records to compile that information. She admitted that the personal information that's compiled on the Nectar scheme is kept indefinitely until individuals close their accounts and ask, go to ask for the information to be destroyed. 
In criminal inquiries, police can re- request the details held by Nectar. Banks. Banks can also be required to hand over personal account information to the authorities if requested as part of an investigation. They also provide personal data to credit reference agencies, debt collectors, and fraud prevention organizations. Debit and credit card transactions can give information about where and on what people are spending their money. See, everything now is interlinked. This is the big web. This is the complete web we're talking about that you think is everyday normal living. The biggest source of surveillance in Britain is through the network of CCTV, closed-circuit television cameras. Britain was, again, the the ones who pioneered this whole uh, Watch the Citizenry campaign. And, of course, the companies who install them across the planet, including the U.S. and Canada, are based in Britain. Even sent them over to a big uh, police chief's convention in Montreal a few years ago, and the U.S. police chiefs also attended. Now they all want them, and they're putting them in big time. They're everywhere. It says here, on average, an individual appear on 300 CCTV cameras during one day. And those tapes are kept by many organizations for indefinite lengths of time. You know, we're not even allowed to know what organizations are watching us. On the London Underground Network Transport for London, it keeps footage for a minimum of 14 days. The TFL operates more than 8,500 CCTV cameras in its underground stations, 1,550 cameras on tube trains, and up to 60,000 cameras on buses. Network Rail refused to say how many CCTV cameras it operates or for how long the footage is kept. Britain now has more CCTV cameras in public spaces than any other country in the world. A study in 2002 estimated there were around 4.2 million cameras. That number is likely to be now far higher. Number plate recognition. The latest development in CCTV is increased use of automatic number plate recognition systems which read number plates and search databases for signs that the vehicle has been used in a crime. What a joke. What a joke, eh? But they also take photographs, too, through the windshield of the driver. That's also been in the newspapers here. A national automatic number plate recognition system is maintained by the Association of Chief Police Officers. That is an international United Nations organization for those people in the U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and elsewhere. It's from the United Nations that runs your police chiefs. Along motorways and main roads, every number plate picked up by the system is stored in a database with date, time, and location for two years. Well, you can put that indefinitely, too. Public transportation, travel passes such as the Oyster card used in London, the key card in Oxford can also reveal remarkable amounts of information about an individual. When they register a a person's name, record the journey, the history, dates, times, and fares. A spokesman for TFL, which runs the Oyster Card system, but apparently insisted that access to this information was restricted to its customer service agents, and that, of course, will be one big lie. Police, however, can also obtain this information, or that this verifies what I just said, and have used Oyster Card journey records as evidence in criminal cases. Well, these criminals are everywhere, eh? Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. The 
Because you can handle the truth. Physical or cognitive abilities. 
advances in real-time brain imaging and breakthroughs in high-performance computing and neuronal modeling that could allow researchers to develop systems which mimic functions of the human brain, particularly the ability to organize disparate forms of data. That was from the National Security Intelligence Organization's release and of the National Academy of Sciences press release, August 13, 2008. Unlocking the secrets of the brain is projected as the next growth industry for the military, academia, and corporate grifters, I don't know if it's grafters, hoping to land huge Pentagon contracts. As defense analyst Noah Schachtman reported in Wired, the Army has given a team of University of California researchers $4 million grant to study the foundations of synthetic telepathy. Unlike remote viewing, research funded by the CIA and the Defense Intelligence Agency between 72 and 1996, variously known as Girl Flame, Sunstreak, and finally Stargate. Stargate was popular with the New Agers for a while. Before the puck was pulled, the Army UC Irvine Joint Venture are exploring thought transmission via a brain-computer-mediated interface. Recently, new scientists reported on a series of bizarre experiments at the University of Reading in the UK, you know, that democratic country. Researchers there have connected 300,000 disembodied rat neurons suspended in a pink broth of nutrients and antibiotics to 80 electrodes at the base of the growth medium. As journalist Paul Marks informs us, the rat neurons have made and continue to make connections with each other the voltages sparked by the firing cells are displayed on a computer screen. Now, what they do in these, these releases is to simply rehash stuff that they've already told you years ago. Because Sony was working with human brain tissue about eight or nine years ago and doing the same darn thing. So whenever they say it's rats and so on, it puts you back to sleep thinking, oh, well, that's the stage the rat, that's all they can do. No, it's not. They've used human and chimpanzee uh, cells, and they've actually had them control computers and make little robots walk around. Welcome to the brave new world of neural prosthetics and the militarists who are exploiting science and technology for weapons applications. Declaring that emerging technologies such as brain imaging and cognitive physical enhancers are desired by the public. <laughs> NRC averse such forces act as strong market incentives for development, but as Rick Wise cautions on the Science Progress blog. But even more interesting to me is the report's discussion of the emerging market in brain-targeted performance-degrading techniques. Some experiments, it turns out, suggest that magnetic beams can be used to induce seizures in people attempting addition to the military's armamentum. More conventionally, as scientists discover new chemicals that can blur thinking, see, blurs your thinking, makes you very dopey and calm as well at the same time, or undermine an enemy's willpower. And as engineers designed aerosolized delivery systems, that's what I've been talking about, they've been spraying you for ages, folks, that can deliver these chemicals directly to the lungs. And from there, the brain is of large, of large groups of people, the prospect of influencing the behavior of entire enemy regiments or countries, I shall add, Minding is, was real. Minding mental minefields was the article. Minding mental minefields. Science prog progress was the, the, Arctic, the magazine that carried it. August the 15th, 2008. 
The use of so-called calmative agents as non-lethal weapons are already under development. Well, there are more than that that have been getting produced and used for a long time. As anti-fascist Colling reported last month in the Calmative Before the Storm, the Pentagon's Joint Non-Lethal Weapons Directorate are carrying out experiments into what it euphemistically calls human effects research. Human effects research. That's H-E-R for her. They don't like women much and developing an advanced total body model for predicting the effects of non-lethal impacts. Apparently, the DIA has taken this a step further and will now explore the possibility of creating aerosolized pharmacological agents that can disrupt and perhaps influence the mental functioning of targeted populations, and they've added here abroad, of course, this to make you feel safe. Enemy soldiers or dissenting citizens here in the United States, oh, that's more like it, folks, a little bit of truth. I wonder if, how they managed to... Maybe they took some of their calmatives and, and, and added that by mistake. Neil Davison, a researcher with the Bradford Disarmament Research Centre at Bradford University in the UK, wrote an important 2007 study called Off the Rocker and On the Floor, the continued development of biochemicals and capacitating weapons. Davison ex- examined the historical differentiation made by weaponeers between off-the-rocket agents such as LSD, PCP, and uh, psilocybin, and their allegedly weaponized form versus on-the-floor agents such as sedatives, opiate, analgesics, and anesthetic chemicals. During the golden age of the CIA and U.S.'s Army, Army's chaotic research for mind control agents during the 50s and 60s, researchers were seeking a reliable mechanism that would unlock the secrets of the mind and gain control over witting or unwitting subjects for intelligence and counterintelligence purposes. And it wasn't really for that at all, folks, because, you see, there was no real Cold War. It was giving them the ability to collect data and do experiments on their own citizenry. That's what it was all about for today. For today. Hundreds, if not thousands, of unethical experiments were carried out on psychiatric patients, civilians, and soldiers. The results were subsequently suppressed on grounds of national security. During the golden age of the CIA, uh, sorry, I've just done that part. This thing's jumping in front of me here. Well, the majority of CIA and MK Ultra files were ordered destroyed by former agency director Richard Helms in 1973. The Senate Select Committee on Intelligence held landmark 1977 hearings and issued a report called Project MK Ultra, the CIA's program of research and behavioral modification, as Senator Tent Kennedy discussed in his opening remarks. Some two years ago, the Senate Health Subcommittee heard chilling testimony about the human experimentation activities of the Central Intelligence Agency. The Deputy Director of the CIA revealed that over 30 universities and institutions were involved in an extensive testing and experimentation program, which included covert drug testing on unwitting citizens at all social levels, high and low, Native Americans and foreign. Several of these tests involved the administration of LSD to unwitting subjects in social conditions and situations. And this article goes on and on and on, but the point I'm getting to you at is here. You see, this has nothing to do with a Cold War experimentation process. The stuff they're talking about now, at the beginning of this article, about what they want to use is for to be used on the public. And it says it to be used on American citizens too, if need be. Whenever they admit to something, you see, you always find 
They've been doing it for a long time already. And I don't need an article or any article to tell me to look at the sky and remember what contrails look like compared to this mush that's created by polymer. I've done my own investigations into it. I don't need convincing. I know what's happening. I see the effects on the public. I see them getting dopey. Sometimes I've gone into the city, that's in Sudbury, that's called the city, although it's a tongue to me. And you can ask for something across the counter in a store and you just see the vacancy in their eyes on the heavy spraying days. They're, they're like half-dead flies in a hot summer's day. They're, they have trouble thinking, literally. And that's what this article is all about, attacking the minds of the people. It's being done, folks, and you better start doing something about it. Don't wait for some hero to come along and say, don't worry, we've got an organization set up. We'll take care of it for you. That's the oldest con in the book. It works very well. That's where the bioethics committees suddenly, uh, when they came out in, in the, with Dolly the Sheep, suddenly they were there. So we didn't bother starting our own up and saying, wait a minute, we have a say in what happens along this line because it's all eventually to do with people, isn't it? We go back to sleep thinking they've already got one set up. And who are these bioethics committees? They're eugenicists. Just change their name. Don't look for a champion. You are your own champion, every single one of you. And you have as much right, sovereign right, as anything else on this planet to demand to anyone else because no one is higher than you. No one. Now, I'll go to the phones, and we've got Frank from Alberta on the line. Are you there, Frank? Good evening, Alan. Good evening. I have one report from Alberta on the chemtrail conditions, one, one recommendation, and one question for you. Mm -hmm. The skies in Alberta today are a lovely pastel blue-white, uh, pretty heavily impregnated with isotope barium-133, I, I, I suspect, because my lungs are burning. Mm -hmm. That's my uh, weather report. I mean, we all have to agree that airplanes do not crash through steel buildings emerging on well, the Well, let's not even side. go into that, because anyone who hasn't got it through their heads that this happened, and everyone knew at the top it was going to happen, that's all we need to know. <laughs> that's all we need to know. All we need to know is it that it happened. It was essential that it happened, because uh, even, even Brzezinski or, or said, said in his own book, he said, and, and um, he said... Um, it said they need something on the scale of a Pearl Harbor event to, to yes. get this whole war going with the Middle East, uh, starting with Afghanistan, even named off the countries, you know. So they've got what they wanted. It had to be. So must be. So why even rehash it? Anyone who rehashes the fact, uh, they're still trying to convince themselves that, that, that there was ill play. And of course there was ill play. It was designed to be. And that's not the first time they've used this kind of scenario to get war started. They did the same thing with Vietnam. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'll, I think that's a break coming up. Yep, I'll be back with more after these messages. I'll take the UK call. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And we've got Justin in the UK there. Are you there, Justin? 
Hi, Alan. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm surviving. That's, that's good. I'm uh, glad to hear it. Um, right, so it's near the end of the show, so I'll try and keep this brief. Uh, a couple of, qu well, three questions. I don't know if you have a chance to answer them. Uh, one on the Beijing Olympics closing ceremony, and two quick ones on Agenda 21, which I've been reading, and it's very, very revealing. Mm -hmm. But uh, quickly, the memory tower at the, in the Beijing Olympics closing ceremony, what is the significance of that, in your opinion? And, uh, I, I never saw the memory. I never, I never watched any of it, to be honest with you. But I generally at the end of the, the Olympics, they do have a memory a tower, or, or sometimes two, even if a Jack and Boas, uh, they had that, and the one that they had in, uh, in, I think it was the Italian Alps or something. Uh, so they always have something to do with memory. And again, it's, it's they're talking about their system. It's their system. It's not Chinese. It's, it's, the, it's the high occultic system, and the memory of supposedly what was done before to them in a previous time when they were hunted and persecuted after they tried to do something in ancient times to take over the ancient world. And, and those saying that they'd never forget would, would be uh, always kept in their memory. So that would be their memory tower. It's also a soft tower of Babel as well. They like towers. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. It looked at some one point of the Chinese performance, it looked very much like what you featured in your book, a ladder of Osiris with a sort of helter-skelter yeah. structure at one point. That, that's copied after the great Mayawa in right. Iraq because uh, Iraq has the main one there, that's the big one. And the whole idea of, of, the, of the monks was those who are allowed to go up that spiral staircase symbolizes the stairway to heaven. That's right. what it means, it's a spiral. That's helter-skelter of the Beatles too. Uh, it's all the same thing from the OTO, the ascending ones eventually go up to heaven they're ascended masters yeah. right, it's true with reincarnation as well of the hidden master they all believe they're gods you see and they believe in reincarnation yeah, yeah exactly Plato talked about at the end of the Republic yeah. the full chapter yeah mm -hmm. um, also two questions on agenda 21 basically um, I've been reading it and they constantly refer to repeating after a means of implementation chapter of each a section of each chapter they always mention the women. It's important to get the women involved, to motivate communities, to motivate the family unit. Yes. And um, so I wonder what your thoughts were on that, because I believe it's just as easy to, to indoctrinate men as women, but I guess to motivate the family unit, it's important to get at the women. Yeah. And the second question is quite ludicrous in my mind. They also classified water as a finite resource, I guess, along the same with oil and everything else, fossil fuels. Yeah. I mean, considering the uh, water cycle, the, the water on this planet is finite, but I guess it may tie in to the fact that they want to in introduce water rationing, perhaps, yes. as part yes. of this agenda. Yeah. So I'll um, leave you with those two questions, and I'll go off air so that uh, you yeah. may answer them. So thanks very much, Alan. Keep up the good work. Yeah. Yeah, you'll find that, that, that all the marketing companies that Russell said they'd take on board because they understood, they'd, take, they'd done so much research on humanity uh, that uh, females are far more easily uh, led to try something new, experimentation, than men are. Men are more conservative by nature, and therefore they'd push the whole idea that science was going to be their benefactor 
and they've done that through through contraception, through breast implant, all the things that science promises, longevity and eventually or mortality. They knew that the female would fall for it, and they would then uh, they wouldn't need men anymore. When there's no men and women together, there's no family unit. Therefore, the state controls the world, and that was the reason for it. Women are far more apt to try new things and experimentation. That's why 90% of magazines are aimed at females. And we're back with more from Hamish myself into your Canada. So it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.